love is the way, there's plenty good room. Plenty good room for all of God's children. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other, well, like we are actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all. And we are brothers and sisters, children of God. My brothers and sisters, that's a new heaven, a new earth, a new world, a new human family. Dr. King was right. We must discover love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make of this old world a new world. Good morning, church. Welcome to Riverside. Welcome to our house. I'm so glad that we can gather and be together again today. Today is, like you've already heard, Invest Sunday. Uh, we're getting into a rhythm now where we have sort of a Sunday each year to celebrate, to rally around, to remind ourselves of who we want to be and the kind of uh, people we want to, to live into this new reality of, of inviting, investing, and engaging. And today really is a day where we want to lean into this idea of investing in each other. And sort of the, the two questions that rise to the top out of that part of our vision are these two questions. Who are you investing in and who's investing in you? And out of our vision, out of who we're trying to be as we live different, this is the one that kind of turns inside and looks inward inside these four walls and asks that question because we believe the greatest investment you can ever make is the investment in the life of another person. And so I hope that especially today you'll be thinking about that. Who in this room, who, who in our church family, who in our faith family are you pouring your life into, pouring yourself into, trying to encourage, trying to speak to, trying to, to be there for them? And, and who are you allowing, this is a big one, isn't it? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who have you given the, the authority, the ability, the, the, the opportunity to speak a word of encouragement, of advice, of counsel into your life? This is a big deal. And so that's why today uh, we really want to not only have a time tonight at 530, I hope everybody comes back, it's going to be fantastic, uh, but I hope you come tonight as we sort of begin this uh, together, not, not only to, to enjoy the food and, and the fellowship, but, but to have and to start this prayer partner challenge, this relationship where we want to ask you over the next two months to get together with one other person uh, at least four times and spend some time over a cup of coffee in someone's living room, whatever, uh, just praying with them. And this is really is a great thing. If you have your phone right now, take that out. You have permission. Open your phone. Open the camera app. There's a QR code right here on the corner of the screen. It's also in your bulletin. Scan that code with your camera app. You don't, don't need anything fancy. Just point your camera at it, and it does amazing things. And it's going to pop open to a, a short little form you can fill out where you can, you can put in your name for a prayer partner. And Jason will work on that this week to make sure that everyone who wants a prayer partner has a prayer partner. Th this really does two things for us. One, it helps us invest in each other. It really does. It allows us to have people that invest in us and allows us to invest in, in each other. But it also helps us kind of fulfill another desire of our church, and that is this year especially. We want to lean into this desire of becoming even more of a prayerful church, a prayerful people. And I'll tell you, something happens when you pray, and something happens when you pray with another, with another person. 
Something happens when you allow someone to pray for you and then you pray for them and you stop praying for yourself and you allow someone else to have that opportunity. Something happens. And we want to see what happens in our faith family when we do that, when we invest in each other and when we pray for each other. So do that. Come tonight, 530, invest Sunday. Sign up, get, you know, ask someone to be your prayer partner. I know it's awkward. You know, it's kind of like, do you like me? Check yes or no. Will you pray with me? Check yes or no. Or maybe if you're like I was in sixth grade, maybe there's that option. <gasps> Have the courage to, to get a prayer partner and over the next couple of months, spend time praying with each other. Now, today is the last day of this series, Love Different. And I really hope it's the end of the series, but I hope it's the beginning of something for us as a church. For us to really think about in a different way, what does it mean for us to love? To love the way we've been loved, to love the way that Jesus loves, to love others the way Jesus loves us. What does it mean for us to lean into this idea of loving people in a different, in a different way? And I hope this breath prayer, Lord, help me love who you love, the way you love. I hope it's not a breath prayer that you'll stop praying because the series is over. I hope it just I hope it's taking root in your heart. I hope it's something you'll be praying over and over again next week, next month, all year long. Lord, help me love who you love the way you love, because this way of love, loving different, man, is so important. They say that 29 million people tuned in to watch the royal wedding when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle uh, were were married. I wasn't one of them. Uh, My wife was. Uh, Maybe you were. I'm so glad they tuned in because they got to hear Bishop Michael Curry that day use that platform to proclaim and to preach the gospel in a powerful way. I've got to just read it again. It's so good. He said, when love is the way, there's plenty good room. Plenty good room for all of God's children. And when love is the way, we actually treat each other well like we're actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all. And, we're, and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. My brothers and sisters, that's a new heaven, a new earth, a new world, a new human family. Dr. King was right. We must discover the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make of this old world a new world. When love is the way. What would, what would the world look like if love is the way? What would this church look like if love is the way? What would your life, what would your life look like if love is the way? I think the world actually knows what real love looks like. Despite all the messaging we get from movies and music and TV and social media that says that that love, real love, is all about beauty, image, money, sex, I think the world actually truthfully knows what real love looks like. I believe this because I have seen the movie Frozen over 100 times. That's what happens when you're the dad of two daughters, 10 and under. And if you've seen the movie Frozen, if you haven't, don't, I'll, spe- I'll spoiler alert. The plot of the movie of Frozen is that Elsa has pushed everyone away. She has a frozen heart. And she is, despite her bad behavior, despite everything she does to push everyone away from her, despite everything in the movie that, that, that happens in her life and, and, and how, how harmful she's, she is towards her relationships, even, even that can't push away the one person in the world who loves her more than anybody else in the world, her sister Anna. And at the end of the movie, it's Anna's true act of love. 
It's honest, sacrificial love that saves Elsa's life and melts her frozen heart. It's beautiful. I believe this is true because I have seen the movie Beauty and the Beast over 100 times. Both the animated version and there's also now a real life version you can go watch if you prefer that. And you know the story of Beauty and the Beast. It's a beautiful story where Belle, over and over again throughout the movie, demonstrates this idea of sacrificial love. First to save her father. Her father is now a prisoner in the castle of the beast. And Belle goes to the castle to rescue her father. But the only way she can set her father free is to agree to take his place. And so she does. She stays at the castle so her father can leave. And that was her first act of sacrificial love, but it wasn't her only act of sacrificial love because it's her love for the beast despite his bad behavior, despite everything that he does to push everyone around him away from him, despite his appearance, despite his mean heart, despite everything about him. She loves the beast, and it's her love, her sacrificial love for the beast, to love him even if he never changes. It's her sacrificial love for him that transforms him from a beast back into a prince before the last petal falls. I'm telling you, Disney has figured this out. If you tell a story of sacrificial love, it will capture the heart of every single person on the planet. It's the story of sacrificial love. But the problem is, of course, is that we live into a reality. We hold on to an understanding that says this. People can't change. That's what we think. We don't think people can change. We think there are some people who, if we're honest, are beyond the reach of even the greatest love. We believe that there are people who are unreachable, unchangeable, hopeless. And if we wanted to get really gut honest, the reason we believe that is because we believe that about ourselves. We don't think we can change. We think we're the ones that are unlovable, unreachable, hopeless, and alone. We've said this a lot in this church that we live in a world where people have never been more connected but have never felt more alone. And I wonder why is that? And we can blame it on technology, and certainly technology has changed the way we relate and we interact. We could, we could say it's because we, we now live in houses that have garages and privacy fences and alleyways, and we don't even have to, have to see our neighbors anymore. We could, we could blame it on the fact that we probably work more than we ever worked. We're never really off, and we have busier lives and busier schedules, and our kids and our families are involved in, in so many things. So even though we're, we're maybe more connected than we've ever been, we've never felt more alone. But why is that? Why is it that last year, in the month of May, 2018, just a few months ago, research, new research was released that says that one half of Americans will admit, will say, that they struggle with and experience loneliness. How is that possible that 50% of Americans will say they feel completely alone? Why is that? Why is it that we live in a world that has never been more connected, but where people have never felt more alone? Could it be? Could it be that we've just forgotten the way of love? And as long as we refuse to 
to live into the way of love that Jesus calls us to, as long as we re- refuse to love different, to, to live in this, 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 this way of love that, that we know is the right way, then we're going to just experience this old world and we'll never experience the new world that Jesus is calling us into. I mean, Jesus has told us to pray that, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That he could come and usher in a new kingdom, a new world, a new heaven, and a new earth. But if we never live into that way of love, if we keep living out the realities and the practices of the old way of love, we'll never get to experience this new way of love. All month long, we've been leaning into one chapter, one section of scripture. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 13. It's my belief that the church in Corinth had forgotten the way of love. Paul, the one who wrote this letter, this fatherly letter to this church in Corinth, had started this church about three years before. Now he's living in the city of Ephesus, but he's, he's heard about this church that he planted, these, these people that he loved. But what he hears, he's hearing all the wrong things. They're becoming known for all the wrong things, for pursuing power and spiritual gifts and abilities and prominence and importance and making a name for themselves and everything except for the one thing they should be known for, and that's their love. But that was Paul's theme song. That was every sermon he preached. That's how he started this church. I mean, he sang this anthem over and over again. It's the love of Jesus that changes lives. Paul could preach that sermon. He could sing that song because it was his life that was changed on the road to Damascus. He had experienced firsthand the sacrificial love of Jesus, and it had changed his life. And now he hears that his friends in this church in Corinth have forgotten the way of love. And so he writes to them this this fatherly letter, trying to call them back to the central truth. And he crystallizes everything with these last few words of 1 Corinthians 13 and the first part of 14. What I want to do this morning is I want us to read this passage from five different translations because I want you to get sort of a fuller view of what Paul says here. And I've got two mics set up in the room, left and right of, uh, of the aisle here. And what I'd like to do is just ask some of you, whoever you want, it doesn't matter to me, come up and one at a time just read one of these texts from the screen. And another way we can invest in each other is just to hear the church read these words over us this morning. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute. I want to ask a few of you to, to just pop up where you are, come to the mic, read one of the verses on the screen, and then we'll have someone read the next one. But if you would, let's, let's hear these words together this morning from Paul to the church in Corinth as he ends this chapter on love. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. And now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love. (laughs) 
Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. After a life of love, as if your life depended on it, because it does. And now three remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promise, hope, confident expectation of eighteen eternal salvation. Love, unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue this, love with eagerness, make it your goal. Paul says you've been chasing after all these spiritual gifts and abilities. But what if, what if instead, what if you chased after faith and hope and love? Faith, believing in God, trusting in God. This is the pursuit of faith, to, to put all your faith, to put all your confidence in God himself. Not, not in the gifts God gifts. Not, not in those spiritual gifts that you've been craving and longing for and looking for, but actually putting your faith in God. He says what, you, what you've done is you've trusted, you've trusted, you've put your faith in the gifts of God. You've trusted in the gifts of God instead of putting your faith actually in God. And I just wonder if that rings true for anybody else in the room today. Have you ever found yourself putting your faith in the gifts of God instead of in God? You know, so we put our faith in the things like our bank accounts. As long as we have X number of dollars, whatever that is for us, we've got confidence that things are going to be okay. We put our faith in our, in our assets. As long as you're at a certain level and we've got enough stuff or whatever we need, then we're going to be okay. We put, our, we put our faith in our own God-given talents and abilities and resources. We put our, our faith in the network we have. And what we believe is that if it all fell apart tomorrow, we would be okay because, because we have a nest egg built up. Because if it all fell apart tomorrow, we know that we've got enough charisma, enough ability, enough talent, enough, enough of a network that if we had to, we don't want to, but if we had to, we could build it all back up again. And what we've done and when we do that is we put our confidence. We put our faith, not in the giver of the gifts, but in the gifts themselves. And the truth is, if it all fell apart tomorrow, and all we had to look to was ourselves, we would find our place in the exact same place that everybody else finds themselves when they find that place. Lost, alone, desperate, and hopeless. And we need hope. We need stories of hope. We need to be reminded that we, we have a hope, especially in a world where it seems like more and more people do struggle with loneliness and hopelessness. 
especially in a world where it seems like more and more people are struggling with things like anxiety, depression, loneliness, hopelessness. And I know and I'm fully aware there are people in our world, in our community, even in this room, who struggle with mental illness and struggle with these things that are are a reality. And I don't want to, for a moment, minimize any of that. If, If that is you, you need to know you are loved and you are admired for your courage, for facing that every day and holding on to hope. You're, you're a reminder that we need this kind of hope. And the truth is we have this kind of hope. We have a hope that is so strong, so unshakable, that even, even when we can't hold on to hope, hope holds on to us because our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus holds on to us, honestly, even when we don't have the ability to hold on to him. He never lets go. We need hope. We need that kind of hope that only exists because of love. Real love, not superficial love, not conditional love, not temporary love, not measurable love, real love. It's not superficial. It's not based on appearances. It's not based on what you have or what you don't have. It's not thin. We're talking about real love, not temporary love, not love that has a beginning and an end. Our love, our love has a beginning. It has a start date. And sometimes, if we're honest, it has an end date. God's love, God loved you before you were a thought in your mama's brain, right? God loved you from from the very beginning of time. And by the way, God's love for you is eternal. It goes on and on and on and on. God's love for you has no end. That's the kind of love by which you are loved. It's not a temporary love. It is an eternal love. And it's not a conditional love. It doesn't rise and fall based on your bad behavior, It's not a love that depends on what you do or don't do. God's love for you is constant. It is present. He can't love you any more or any less than he already does because his love is perfect. And it's not measurable. We try to measure it. We try to describe it. We use metaphors to try to to explain it. His love is higher than the highest mountains or or deeper than the deepest oceans or or wider than or, or longer than. But you know what? Every metaphor falls short of trying to describe Just how great the love of your Father in heaven is for you. Jesus once tried to describe it this way. He said, God's love for you is like like this. It's like a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, and one got lost. And he did the most unbelievable thing you would imagine. He left the 99 to go. He abandoned them to go find the one that was lost. It's a reckless kind of love, the kind of love that God has for you. It's the kind of love that has touched lives and changed hearts for over 2,000 years. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's a sacrificial love, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. This is the kind of love by which you and I are loved. It's the greatest love. And some people say, The reason Paul said it was the greatest, well, why did he say that? Faith, hope, and love. Why is love the greatest? Most people, I think, say this. They say that love is the greatest because love is eternal. And what they say is that when you're in heaven one day, you won't need faith because you're going to be right there with Jesus, face to face. You don't need faith when you're in heaven. He's he's there. You, You can see him. You don't need hope. You don't hope for what you already have. So if you're there, you don't need hope. You, you, you're right there in the presence of God. You don't need to hope for it any longer. You're there. And they're right about those things. Love is eternal. That's one way it's different than faith and hope. 
But I don't think that's the reason Paul said it's the greatest. And I could be wrong. We can all ask him one day when we get to heaven. We'll get in line and figure it out. I just wonder if the reason that Paul said that love was the greatest is because love is sacrificial. This is the kind of love that changed Paul's life. People say people can't change, but Paul changed. It was this kind of love that transformed Paul from a disciple killer into a disciple maker. It was this kind of love that melted his frozen heart. It was this kind of love that transformed him from a beast that people were literally terrified of into a son of the king. Real love. The kind of love that Paul is talking about here. The kind of love that Bishop Michael Curry was was, was talking about and describing. The kind of love that, that Dr. Martin Luther King preached about. The kind of love that Maya Angelou was trying to find words to describe. The kind of love that Cornel West was so passionate about. It's this kind of sacrificial love. And after Paul said, the greatest of these is love, don't stop there. You have to keep reading because this is what Paul said. He said, pursue love. Go after a life of love. Follow the way of love. This is what we're called to do. To to love different. To pursue this kind of love. But of course, the question is, maybe the last question we have to end with and ask today before we end the series is this question. What does this kind of love ask of you? I once heard Andy Stanley ask the question this way. What does love require of me? You can know about this love. You can experience this love. But what does this love require of me? You probably know this story. The night that Jesus asked and answered this same question. It was the same night he was going to be betrayed. He's in the Mount of Olives, right across the Kidron Valley from the city of Jerusalem. No doubt he can look across the valley and he can see the city. He can see the streets where he's about to walk. He can see the place where they're going to falsely try him over and over again at different points. He can see where they're going to beat him and flog him. They can see where they're going to put a crown of thorns on his head and spit in his face. They can see, he can see the street where he's going to have a cross on his back and have to carry it up that long hill. So Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, and he falls to his knees, and he prays three times. He prays, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then again he prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And then he prayed a third time, Not my will, but yours be done. What does love require of me? If it requires that I endure the cross, then the answer is yes. What does love require of me? If it requires 
Did I forsake every divine power and authority I have at my disposal? And I'll leave those 10,000 angels sitting on the sidelines. And I'll walk the streets of Jerusalem with blood down my back. The answer is yes. What does love require of me? It's the question that you and I have to ask every day, in every situation, in every circumstance, with every person that God puts right in front of us. What does love require from me in this relationship, in this moment, with this person? And when you realize, when we realize, when you realize that it's this kind of sacrificial love that changes lives, well, it changes everything. When you realize that you're Elsa, that it's your heart that's frozen, when you realize that you were the beast and you pushed everybody away, when you realize it was the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ that melted your heart and transformed you from a beast into a son, into a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it changes absolutely everything. And Paul says, Pursue this love. Go after a life of this kind of love, this life of sacrificial love. Pursue the love that is pursuing you. Pursue the love. Go after the love that is pursuing you because the love of Jesus is after you. Because he loves you. And he wants to transform you. And he wants to change you. And he wants to make you more and more like himself. What does love require of me? I think, again, Dr. Martin Luther King was right. We must discover love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do, we will make of this old world a new world. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together. I think, I think Paul knew people could change because he had changed. I think he knew the church in Corinth could change because he had experienced this change in his own heart and his own life. And so today, what I want you to know is that you can change. And we can change. And we can change the world around us when we live into this way of love. When we learn to love different. Today, if you've been struggling for any reason, if for whatever reason you have felt like the person that can't change, that you're too far, that you can't be reached, that you are without hope, I'm going to invite our shepherds and their wives to make themselves available around the room. And I want you to know that they would love nothing more than to pray with you. And maybe, maybe that's your prayer today. God, melt my frozen heart. God, change me from what I am and transform me into a son, a daughter of the King of Kings. They would love to pray that prayer with you today. Series is over, but the challenge remains, and I pray that this prayer would carry us. Lord, help, help me love who you love, the way you love. May we trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love, so go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. <laughs> 
Because it does.